Welcome to Four Down Territory. I'm Kyle Madsen, the managing editor over at the Niners Wire. Joining me, as always, is the wonderful and talented Doug Ferrar, the managing editor over at the Touchdown Wire. Doug, how you been, man? Good. Uh, starting to get my brain back after the draft. Uh, yeah, that's. I was, I, was, I was a little concerned. You put in so much work during the draft. Oh boy. I was hoping you got to decompress a little bit. Yeah, I'm getting there. Um, it's nice. I got a, you know, a couple of days off. Now I'm doing like scheme fits, which is fun. I just uh, this is the time to adhere the player to the NFL team and watch a bunch of tape and do a bunch of stats, which is what I do anyway. So it's all good. How are you? Doing? <laughs> sounds sounds You're hanging in there with your uh, with the kicker draft. <laughs> yeah, man, doing Here's a lot. Before known as the kicker draft, grinding Jake Moody tape. I got to yes, tell you, I love him from the left hash, not so much from the right. We'll you know, see how that. All we'll twenty-two, that. man. It, it comes in when you, if you study the kickers all twenty-two. It comes in handy. It really does. That, that's what I'm saying. We'll see how that dictates Kyle Shanahan's play calling inside the thirty, for yes. sure. Uh, but now that yeah, the draft, he is one of the better play-action kickers, so it does. Fit. <laughs> how does he? I didn't do... like him an inside zone kicker, but outside zone kicker, he was. You know, he, he fits. It's one okay. cut downhill kicker. One hill, sure. one cut downhill kicker. Yes, uh, better with a fullback, but uh, we'll see how that goes. Better in line than uh, out wide. Perfect. As uh, with most kickers. Now that uh, now that the draft is over, though, mini camps are getting started. Uh, we have another important date on the NFL calendar that passed uh, just last week. That was May second, yep. which is when free agent players, free agent signings, no longer factor in to that comp pick formula. So NFL teams can now sign free agents without worrying about losing future day two or day three draft picks. Right. Uh, so with that in mind, you look at the free agent market, who's out there that's left that you really, really like? That's some interesting names. I mean, there aren't like franchise defining guys anymore, but I did a list t- uh, this morning, Monday, uh, of the best free agents left. There's like 45 guys. You know, yeah. So many fill this role, that role, whatever. Uh, I'm not sure about the best free agent left, but I'm absolutely sure that my favorite remaining name on the list is Justin Houston, the ageless edge rusher who totaled 12 sacks, six quarterback hits, and 24 quarterback pressures for the Ravens last season at age 33. He was pretty much their entire edge rush. Yeah, uh, Houston can still get to the quarterback with pure power, full palette of moves, inside counter, a little bit of spin, but he's more a power guy. Uh, but, you know, he's he will put his hand in your chest and you're going somewhere you don't want to go. Um, as far as fit, were I the Chicago Bears, I would be looking once and again at my edge depth chart ugh, and offer Houston a very appealing one or two year deal to come in and reinforce perhaps the NFL's weakest group at that position, uh, which it was before the draft outside of the Falcons. And after the draft, the Falcons did a lot. The Bears didn't. Um, the Bears did, however, spend the gross national product of France on linebackers mm. this offseason. Might be time for one or two uh, relatively low-ball veteran deals for any kind of pass rush help at all. That's just me. Uh, Kyle, what about you? You have an edge guy as well who would have been uh, number two on my list. Yeah, well, Justin Houston's a great answer because he's every year, some team signs him, and the football media just kind of in general goes, well, that's a nice signing. I'm surprised Justin Houston was still available. And then he just goes and produces. Yeah. So, well, so the Justin first response is, he's still in the league? Yeah, he is. Yeah. <laughs> he's still kicking butt. Yeah, he's still really good. Yeah. Uh, Houston, Houston's a great answer. Uh, but I'm going to stay on the edge, and I'm going to go with uh, Yannick Ngakwe. Yes. I, I know he's not a great run defender, and his track record of four teams in the last three years is not stellar. Yeah. But Pro Football Focus had him down for 44 pressures and 12 sacks last year with the Colts the year before that. Uh, with the Raiders, he had 62 pressures and 10 sacks per PFF. 
So some team's going to get this guy for super cheap. They're going to get a really good pass rusher. And at this point, like you're not going to sign him to a deal where he has to be on the field for every down. So you put him in sub packages and mm-hmm. you let him pin his ears back and go after the quarterback. And he's going to get eight, nine, 10 sacks, something like that. And he's really going to help a team. And it's going to be like the Chiefs. The Chiefs are going to sign him and he's going to be awesome. And he's going to make a play in the Super Bowl. And whoever's broadcasting the Super Bowl this year, I forget who it is, is going to be like, wow, they signed him for one year and $2.4 million. Look at Brett Veach go. Like that's mm-hmm. just, it just, I'm, I'm betting on that. I, I think Ngakwe is still a really good player. He is, and interesting enough, if you wanted to sign Houston and Ngakwe, they're both really good edge rushers, and they're kind of different guys. Uh, mm-hmm. Houston's more of a power guy. Ngakwe is a speed end. He can bend the edge and flatten and all that. Yeah. And he, I, I know he's been a lot of teams. There's been some, you know, I know the Jaguars thing did not end well. Nope. Um, but his on-field effort, he's one of the best effort pressure guys. I mean, he will chase a quarterback out of the stadium if he has to. <laughs> um, you know, I've, I've put up a, a multiple examples of this on Twitter over the years. So, yeah, if you want it, I mean, hey, Bears or, you know, whoever, maybe get both of them because they're both going to be pretty cheap and they're both pretty good. Yeah, I, I, there's there's a bunch of edge rushes we could talk about that are out yeah. there that, that, that are going to help a team for sure. Uh, we talked a little bit earlier about day three draft picks and factoring into the comp pick formula. So let's look at the 2023 draft, which selection or selections, if you want to pick multiple uh, from the third to seventh round stand out to you as the best marriage of player and scheme, or I guess it's fourth to seventh round. Right. Um, well, this is where we start to talk about like, like starting from the third round, you start to talk about like sleepers and sure. positional fit is so important. You look at Tariq Woolen, who, you know, the Seahawks got up here in the fifth round. Well, he fit and that's an important thing. Uh, there are a couple of obvious third rounders who stand out like Texas A&M running back Devin A. Chain. <laughs> mm. This is still just crazy. Adding his legitimate Olympic level track speed to the Dolphins 4 by 100 team. And Tennessee receiver Jalen Hyatt adding a serious vertical weapon to Brian Dable's Giants offense. But if we want to head deeper into the draft, and we do, I find this is this this could this could be something this year. I have a feeling. The mm. Browns selection of UCLA quarterback Dorian Thompson Robinson with the 140th overall pick in the fifth round. It, this could be fascinating. Deshaun Watson looked like horrible when he finally got on the field last season, and maybe that was just rust. Or maybe it was the final component to one of the worst trades in pro sports history. If Watson can't regain his former prowess and someone else needs to step in, I like Thompson Robinson's potential as a mobile quarterback in that two and three tight end system system where Kevin Stefanski and his offense, they can, you know, open up first and second level reads and, you know, scheme guys open and do all that. They've always been good with that. They just haven't really had the quarterbacks to do it. But Thompson Robinson, I mean, he's got some iffy tape, but a lot of it's really good, especially in the red zone. So I I like him a lot. That could be a thing. Uh, I also like BYU receiver uh, Puka Nakua to the Rams because he can run all the short and intermediate routes preferred by Sean McVay. He can also run the kind of receiver sweeps that Robert Woods had done, you know, for years there and other guys. Uh, Nakua was selected with the final pick in the fifth round. Not bad there. Later in the draft, I love the Steelers getting Purdue quarterback Corey Trice Jr. Mm. with the 241st overall pick in Man. the seventh round. That's a larcenist. That's a steal. It's insane. That's like, that somebody should get arrested for that. Pittsburgh <laughs> went with two massive press cornerbacks in this draft, and Joey Porter Jr., top of the second round, where they traded up to get him, and Trice, who was just kind of hanging around there. And I think they both have bright futures ahead of them in a press man-heavy defense, which uh, – 
Mike Tomlin and Terrell Austin, the DC, have both said we want to play more man. Well, these are the guys you go get. They can just yeah. envelop you and, you know, like pterodactyls. Uh, if Trice had a cleaner injury history, he would have been a mid-round pick at worst. So those are kind of my guys. Kyle, who are yours? Yeah, uh, A-Chain is like yes. my, maybe my favorite pick of the draft. So that offense I, is just going to be sick. Well, and and I I really think like I Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson Jr. are are fine players, but uh, Mostert has had trouble staying on the field and staying healthy. And Jeff Wilson Jr. is more of like a downhill. I I I don't think your offense is. I don't think that offense in particular is at its best if he's an every down player. It wouldn't surprise me if A Chain is just like their number one back working on three downs by the middle of the year. Well, A Chain is also a really good receiver, so you can you know, exactly slot and then really right. get weird. Yeah. So um, I don't want to take any more of your answers. So uh, a couple different ones for me. Uh, Clemson defensive end KJ Henry uh, yes. joining a really good defensive line in Washington. Not like the toolsiest guy, but he hustles his rear end off and he's long. And I, I think you plug him into a good defensive line and it's really going to give him a chance to thrive as like a rotational yep. pass rusher. Uh, and then TCU quarterback Travius Hodges Tomlinson or Trey, uh, Trey, Trey, yeah. Travius, sorry. We're calling Travius Trey Hodges Tomlinson. Trey Tomlinson, right. the Hodges or something. I don't know. Yes, that that's correct. That's where I messed up. Trey Tomlinson. So it's Trey Tomlinson now. <laughs> uh, he landed with the Rams, and I know he's not big, and he's undersized, and uh, Dane Brugler had said that some teams like had removed him from their boards entirely. But he's an awesome athlete, and we talked about this last week. As you say, uh, he's got that dog in him. Yes. And if you're going to be small, him. you have to be tough as hell, and I think he is. And I think he's going to be a key part of a defense that's rebuilding. Plug him in in the slot, let him play every snap, and and let him go to work. So I, yeah. I, I love that fit as well. K.J. Henry is an interesting guy. He had like 20 more pressures last year than Miles Murphy did. And he's not the nuanced, you know, complete pass rusher that Murphy is because Murphy right. can't go from every gap. But Henry, yeah, you put him on the edge and just let him go wreck people. Um, I, I I keep saying this. If Hodges Thomas was six foot 200, we'd be talking about him right up there with Devin Witherspoon and um, – Christian Gonzalez and Joey Porter Jr. And I think I've mentioned this on Ford on territory. He reminds me of a guy the Rams got as a UDFA a couple, a few years ago, Darius Williams, who yeah. turned into a really great corner and then Jaguar signed him for like $500 million. Um, so they know how to deal with those, you know, apparently smaller corners. He was also one of the best deep corners in the NFL. So I, I would love to talk to teams who just took him off their board. Like, well, why? You, you, you can't right. make something of this this good a player just because he doesn't, you know, he's not tall enough to ride the ride. What are we doing here? Um, yeah. Yeah, he was, I mean, like, regardless of, like, Doug's guys, my favorite players, he was one of the four or five favorite players for me to watch because he yeah. just kept kicking everybody's ass and it didn't matter. I mean, you look at him against Georgia. It, it, he shut Georgia down. Georgia could do nothing. Uh, Lad McConkey, Stetson Bennett tried to target him on a couple. Of, if, if if Tomlinson was there, wasn't going to happen. Was yeah. not. I mean, lockdown guy. So yep. yeah, I love him. Yep, a high level competitor for sure. Yep. Let's take a look at the non playoff teams from 2022. Which one did the most in the 2023 draft to get to the postseason this year? Uh, I have to go with the Jets here. Forget the Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. trade, even if Rodgers isn't what he was at his thermonuclear best, and I don't think he will be. Uh, most people who watched his team last season knew that they were only a quarterback away from a playoff berth, uh, maybe a deep playoff run, especially after a draft last year that landed in the offensive and defensive rookies of Insane. the year. 
I don't know if that's ever happened. I have to look that up. Insane. In Garrett Wilson and Sauce Gardner. Uh, you get Iowa State edge rusher Will McDonald with the 15th overall pick. That will pay off massively over time because it, the Jets are smart enough to put him outside the tackles instead of over and inside the tackles in Iowa State's three-man fronts. He was still productive, but outside he's got kind of a Robert Quinn speed thing, and I don't want to compare the spin move to Dwight Freeney, but it's close. He's mm-hmm. a dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, add in a few value picks at positions of need, like Wisconsin center Joe Titman, who I thought might have been a bit overdrafted, but he's a good player. Uh, Pitt running back Israel Abanaconda and no, South Dakota State tight end Zach Kuntz, who went in the seventh round. And he's a project Penn State transfer to a smaller school, but his spider chart is hilarious. It's like 100 of everything. Uh, outside of a few remaining offensive line questions, there just aren't a lot of holes in the Jets, and a lot depended on Rodgers. But once he starts throwing to these receivers, I think he'll stick around for a while. I think he'll be as happy as Aaron Rodgers can ever be. So this might get me kicked out of whatever like football section of football nerddom that I reside in. Oh yeah, you're already out. Uh, I think they've they've uh, taken the paint off your parking space. I think it's I think it might be the Lions. It could be. <laughs> could be. So, so look, they were they were already in a spot like before the draft. And we talked about their free agency class and and what they did with Emmanuel Mosley and and Cam Sutton and CJ Gardner Johnson just to like help that secondary and help that defense like that already put them in a really good spot. And I I we can quibble and argue with the draft uh, capital and the the value that they got with Jameer Gibbs and with with Jack Campbell and I I, I fully understand that. But I think Jameer Gibbs can play yeah. whether he was worth the twelfth pick we can argue that, but we're talking about getting the team to the playoffs. I think he can help them do that. I think he's going to be more consistently effective than like DeAndre Swift was awesome last year, but I think there's more stuff Jameer Gibbs can do. And if they deploy him in that Alvin Kamara like role, mm-hmm. I, I, I really, really like that for, for Jared Goff in particular and, and their offense. Well, they've already said they don't view him as a running back. They view him as an offensive weapon. So that's right. reason one. Right. You, they, you have to. That's the only way you can justify that pick is if you're using him as a receiver running back, doing a little bit of everything. So uh, Jack Campbell, he's going to be a fine linebacker for two downs. I don't know if he can cover, but he can move and he can tackle. Okay. Great. He's That's okay. fine. I, I think he helps. And then uh, and then Sam Laporta, he was like my favorite tight end in this draft. And yeah. maybe it's an Iowa thing and I'm just biased towards Iowa tight ends. But I, I think he can be a dif- difference maker for them in the post TJ Hawkinson era. They get Brian Branch in the third round. He falls second the, round. Well, the that's the thing. Round. I mean, you can quibble, you can quibble with the first round picks, but the second right. round picks to get Laporta and Branch in the second round. Branch, I would have taken in the middle of the first. Yeah, like if I, they had taken him with the twelfth pick. I would have said, okay, I'm cool with that. Right. And they got in the middle of the second, so you know they can say, hey, we got our guys, and uh, if you don't like the value, look at the second round. And we're like, oh yeah, okay, that's fine. Yeah, so uh, you you add him to the to the guys I already mentioned in their secondary. Uh, Detroit was already in a great spot, but their team is better now post draft, in my opinion. Well, it's really their safety rotation is Kirby Joseph, who picked up Aaron Rodgers three times yeah. in his rookie season. Uh, CJ Gardner Johnson, who can play all over the place, and uh, Branch, who can play all over the place. I think you put him at free. He's the next Micah Fitzpatrick. So mm. you have a lot of things that Aaron Glenn can do with that defense that he could yeah. not do last year. Um, yeah. You can talk all day about scheme and whatever. If you don't have the guys to execute it, you have to tone it down. And I think their their past defense playbook was like a bar napkin. Now they can get a little more expensive. Yes, 100%. 
So let's flip that coin and look at the other side of it. Which 2022 team that did make the playoffs or which team that did make the playoffs in 2022 should have done more in the draft. And now they might have to hope that their free agency signings bail them out and, and get them back to the postseason. I will apologize in advance, Mr. Madsen, but it's, it's kind of, no, you're, you're going to say the right answer. It's yeah, the right I mean, answer. You don't have to apologize. Well, they, they think they're a Super Bowl <laughs> team with the luxury of betting on backups in the draft to fill out a championship roster. Right. I guess there's an argument there, but the quarterback situation is still unresolved. We don't know about Purdy's injury. The offensive line is iffy outside of Trent Williams. That's degraded a bit. Um, I'm not 100% sure about the cornerback group, and with all due respect to Steve Wilkes, who's a good coach, we don't know how much of the loss of D'Amico Ryan's as defensive coordinator will affect things on that side of the ball. Outside of Penn State safety, uh, Jair Brown at the end of the second round, I don't see a lot of immediate starters in their draft class, unless you want to count the kicker as a starter. Well, okay, fine. Yep, uh, count it. You know, sure. <laughs> and I love the addition of Javon Hargrave. In that, that front is going to be sick, and we all know it. The worst-case scenario here has Sam Darnold, or according to uh, one reporter this week, Sam Darnold, I'm sure you saw this. Sam Darnold, apparently, possibly the best thrower of the football in 49ers history. I have I have something on that when you're done. Uh, holy crap. <laughs> uh, behind a four-fifths patchwork, patchwork line, and, def- and defense doesn't quite measure up from a coaching perspective. And that's not a slam on Wilkes. Mm-hmm. It's just, and you know this, it's a roaring endorsement of what sure. Domingo Ryans did and why he got the Texans gig. But the point stands. I'm just, I'm not as sure about the 49ers as I was last year. I'm, I'm totally with you. And especially when you, when you look at the NFC and you look at everything the Seahawks did, you look then, and that's just in the West. And then you go to the, to the other side of the country and you look at everything the Eagles did. Uh, the, the 49ers at best, I think stayed, stayed stagnant while, while these other teams that they're competing with got, I, I, I think significantly better. Two quick things. One they did get to next Joe Montana and Sam Darnold, though. So, so, so Matt Mayoko from from NBC Sports, who we love, he's a great that. guy. We're not we're not bashing right. Matt at all. No, he has he he has come out and basically said like that was more of an indictment on Sam Darnold that he's can make all these throws, but he's still just kind of the quarterback that he is. Yeah, like he's a great like like put him in a practice situation and put targets all over the field. He's going to hit every single one of those and make all the throws and he's going to look really good. But then you get him into a game and he's completing 57% of his passes. He's throwing a bunch of interceptions. He's seeing ghosts, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So he that's make where all the throws, including the ones that will get you fired. Correct. Um, and then I, I'm really fascinated with the Steve Wilkes thing because we, we said the same thing when Robert Sala left and D'Amico sure. Ryans came in. Yep. It's like, Oh man, there's going to be a drop off. But Kyle Shanahan for, for, all of his faults, I think, has done a really nice job building and and recouping coaching staffs. So I'm pretty excited to see what the defense looks like with uh, with Steve Wilkes. It'll be different. It'll be interesting. I mean, the the, the front six, let's say, uh, in today's NFL, because yeah. everyone plays at least nickel. Uh, right. Front six is as good as you're going to see in the league. There's no yep. question about that. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so a uh, little bit bummed that you took the Niners for me and 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 didn't let me go on that rant, but that's fine. I was trying to, I was trying to take that from you just to make you feel better. <laughs> Thanks. I got, I got a lot of ranting in last episode, but no, so I, yeah. I'm not, I'm not gonna, you know, it was, it's the right answer. You pick the right, you pick the right team. I guess I'll just go with the chargers here. Yeah. Um. I, I just, I'm not super sold on, on Quentin Johnston and that he's, he isn't just like Mike Williams with some additional features. He's, he's fine. I think. More uh, touchdowns. Not good. Tuli Tui Pelotu. I think I'm saying that right. Uh, yep. Tuli Tui Pelotu. 
good player, uh, but how impactful is he going to be in year one? And how much is that even going to matter if Joey Bosa is not able to stay on the field, which has been a, he's, been a yeah, real problem. He's a bigger that. edge guy. He's actually very – I think he'll be good. I think he'll be really good. No but doubt. Like no. Taking it. Yeah, is he is he going to change their defense or or be a replacement for Joey Bosa if Joey Bosa can't be on the field? Like that's no. that's my question there. Um, and then I, I love an athletic linebacker in the second level as much as anybody, especially watching Fred Warner and, and Dre Greenlaw and Aziz Alshire for the last couple of years. But uh, I'm not sold that Diane Henley is is like a game changing player in coverage. I had not watched him at all until I was prepping for mm-hmm. this. And like he's he's fine. He's he's athletic and he he's sideline to sideline and you love that. But I don't know if you can put him on a, a tight end or a receiver in coverage and have him carry them uh, across the middle of the field. Uh, I just have some questions there. So he's a good player. Uh, He's a good player. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah. they have a lot of good players. They still haven't addressed their main issue, which is they're they're just getting torched in run defense. They haven't gotten right, that. right. And 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 it, it, it are they trading Austin Eckler? Is he sticking around? I don't. Um, I just I have questions about. Also, <laughs> Brandon Staley after the draft being like, oh yeah, TCU's right up there with Alabama and Georgia in terms of like the talent. Like mm, that? No, no. I, I, TCU has a lot of really talented players. We talked like Trey Tomlinson, really good player. Quentin Johnston, like fine player, but they're not on the level of Alabama and Georgia in terms of prospects. And well, that worries Mac, me. That worries me a little bit for the Chargers that their their head coach is like, oh yeah, TCU is right there. Max Duggan yeah. might be on Stetson Bennett's level. Maybe that's what he meant. I don't know. Maybe I'm just. Did, did we? Did, we uh, did, did I miss the national championship game? <laughs> Yeah, I know. Uh, I'm just happy that Justin Herbert is freed from the A dot averse constraints of Joe Lombardi, and he yes. actually has an actual offensive coordinator in Kellen Moore. Thank you. Uh, I'm I'm really interested to see what Kellen Moore looks like out from under Mike McCarthy. Yeah, there is that too. Yeah, I, I, it's I, like two, it's like two people at the end of a Hallmark movie who finally found each other. Right. Not that, I watch, <laughs> not that I watch Hallmark movies. I do. I'm not against yeah, that. I'm not anti Hallmark. No, and, and that's what. So all of all of this draft stuff, all the stuff I just went over, could go away if if Kellen Moore is like, hey, Justin Herbert is one of the like two or three most talented quarterbacks in the league. We're going to utilize that. Yeah. Then then you know the Chargers take off and they're right there competing in the AFC West. Yeah, the arm is preposterous. It's like you only see it once every three weeks. But it's, <laughs> right. It's right. you have to like really drill down in the all twenty two, but it's there. Not nearly enough highlight level throws from yeah. from Justin Herbert. Hoping to see more yes. this year. That's going to do it for Four Down Territory, though, Doug. Appreciate you, as always. Appreciate everybody who watched. Make sure to tune in next week. We're going to keep it rolling as the NFL, NFL offseason rolls on. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone.